0: Welcome to the Garden Basics with Farmer Fred podcast. If you're just a beginning gardener or you want good gardening information, well, you've come to the right spot. Ladies and gentlemen, this is how we water a plant. No, don't don't hit pause. Really, we have some tips about watering your garden that just might be new to you, no matter how many years you've held a garden hose. We talk with Renee Shepard of Renee's Garden Seed Company about a dependable, beautiful, tasty, leafy green for the summer that you can easily grow. Swiss chard. Automate, elevate, eliminate, delegate. Those are the keys to many effective garden time savers or to just make it easier on your mind and body whenever you head out into the yard. It's all in episode 16 of Garden Basics with Farmer Fred, and we're going to save you some time here too. You're going to get your ears back in under 30 minutes. Let's go. We start off this segment of the Garden Basics podcast with a little basketball history. John Wooden, UCLA basketball coach, coached there from 1948 to 1975. In that time, he won 10 national championships. Seven of those were in a row. And yet every season at UCLA, when he was head coach, The first practice always began with the players huddled around John Wooden, sitting on the floor, and John Wooden would say, Gentlemen, this is how we put on our socks and shoes. This is how we tie our shoes. Now, why did he do that? Well, he didn't want his players to get blisters, for one thing. He didn't want their shoes to come off while they were playing. And for gardeners, there is the lesson, ladies and gentlemen, this is how we water plants. What are you talking about, you're saying? You've watered plants your whole life. Of course you know how to water. Do you? Well, gather around. Coach Debbie Flower is going to teach us how to water our garden. So I turn it over now to the coach. Okay, professor of horticulture, retired, Debbie Flower. And Debbie, watering your plants, it's part art, it's part science, it's part craft, and maybe a little bit of luck, too. There is an art to watering. People... I think don't realize
1: that it's a technique and you have to know how to do it and do it correctly if your plants are going to thrive. The time we taught them to water was when we were planting things into containers, primarily seeds, but also uh, transplanting maybe rooted cuttings from one container to another container. And the students would do their planting part. And one rule I always had was no matter what kind of tr- planting we were doing, you always the last thing you do is water, always water. You want to water to settle the, the uh, soil particles around the roots or around the seed. And you want to uh, leave your plant or seed in a moist environment. But it's very easy to overwater or water too hard, especially if there's a seed in there. And if you water too hard, you'll knock that seed right out of the container and have nothing come up in that pot. And that would be a shame for all that effort to go away. So we taught the students how to water. And that was to use the correct nozzle. Uh, We like DRAM products and and use DRAM, D-R-A-M-M is a very good uh, uh, commercial, they make commercial watering products for greenhouse production and anyone can buy them. And uh, we would use the red nozzle and the DRAM product on the end of a watering wand and have the students turn the water on to a nice shower and then stand back from their tray of plants and turn the water so it's up in the air. You're not directing it directly down onto the plants. They're shooting it up in the air, and then it come down as a soft rainstorm. And you water until you see water come out the bottom of the pot, which is a little hard to uh, evaluate because you're applying water at the same time. So you want to see some water collect on the surface and then see it come down um, below the container and hope that it is truly going through the pot. If you have any question whether it did you water the the container, let the water drain through and then knock it out of the pot and make sure that the the soil is wet all the way to the bottom.
0: Was there a number you could assign to this? For example, if the plants were in a 1 gallon container or a 2 gallon container, would you count to 10 for the one and count to 20 for the two?
1: Counting is actually used a lot in in professional horticulture to evaluate whether enough water is being applied it's a number that you have to come to for yourself because it depends on the media that you're using and the rate at which you're applying the water but it's a good uh i do it all the time in my i have lots of plants in containers both inside and outside and i count when i water i use a watering can and i count to um say six for a gallon and 12 for something bigger Actually, six is not enough for a gallon for me. And when I did my master's work at UC Davis and we had to water plants as part of the uh, experiment, that's how we applied the water. And so we went outside with the hose end we were going to use, so the DRAM hose wand, and a five-gallon bucket and turned the water on and stood over the five-gallon bucket and counted at whatever was a comfortable pace for us until we filled the bucket. And then we knew how long it took to apply five gallons of water. A number one or a one-gallon pot uh, takes about a liter of water in order to, or a quart of water, to thoroughly wet the media in most cases. It varies somewhat by the media, but in most cases. And so you can do the math and come up with how long to hold that hose over that pot and apply only a quart of water. So yes, counting is definitely something to get to know about yourself, how your hose applies water, how your media accepts water, and then how much water is needed for each container.
0: I've been trying to do the math in my head while you were speaking. So (laughs) give me the number as far as how long it would usually take to fill a five-gallon bucket with water.
1: Let's say um, two and a half minutes.
0: All right. Two and a half minutes uh, using the shower setting on the nozzle. Right. All right. And then you take that and convert it to a 1 gallon container which is not a, truly a gallon this is a 1 gallon right. term for a, a pot at a nursery is usually a pot that's what about 8 inches wide and tall yes so we'll, well call yes, it about that so you you were saying that, that is about a quart capacity
1: the what was it with media in there uh, the space left over is about a for water is about a quart yes
0: all right so and we so that would be
1: 1/20th of five gallons because there are four quarts per gallon.
0: So if if it took two and a half minutes to fill that five-gallon bucket, it would take one twentieth of two and a half minutes. So we have Mm -hmm. to convert two and a half minutes to seconds. So that would be 150 seconds. And one-tenth of 150 seconds is 15. So 30 seconds to fill a quart container or a a one-gallon. This this is confusing. This is why we're, we're doing basic gardening, folks, because math is a big part. Of it it would take it, it would take 30 seconds to apply a quart of water to a one gallon container
1: with that hose and yes at yes at that
0: speed yes at that mm-hmm. speed right
1: and that's how i established we were not uh, using plants in containers we were using plants outdoors but um for establishing these plants they were new uh, n- from nursery pots into the ground and they i believe were in number fives. Um, and I, I spent one night with my husband in the table saw and we cut uh, the tops of a whole bunch of number five containers off and used those as rings. We actually put them in the ground around each plant. because when you establish a when you first put a plant in the ground, the first six weeks or so of its life, it's, it's feeding off only the um, media that was in the nursery container. And so for the first six weeks, I would water with this counting technique inside the ring that I had cut out, cut off the top of the pot and and put into the soil around the plant. And so that I was for sure getting enough water into that nursery media that I had just put in the ground. And then once a week... I would do that about every two or three days. It depends on the weather. It was a summer project, so I had to go in frequently and do it. And then in between times, once a week, we would water the whole field, so the field soil would also get wet. And after six weeks, the plants were on their own, and they did
0: just fine. This is this is good stuff. I like it. It's complicated. It's something that a lot of people don't know. Debbie Flower, once again, we learned something we didn't know about gardening. Water is hard. Thanks so much. Oh, my pleasure. We'd like to welcome our first advertiser here to the Garden Basics with Farmer Fred podcast. It's the people at Smart Pots. What's a Smart Pot? It's a fabric container. It's lightweight. It's long lasting. It's made in the U.S. of A. Now I've been pretty picky about who I allow to advertise on this program. That's why it took a while. My criteria, though, it's it's pretty simple. It has to be a product I like. It has to be a product I use it has to be a product I would buy again. SmartPots clicks all three of those boxes. I got my first Smart Pots back in the fall of 2016. I thought, oh, these are interesting. I'll try them out next year. Well, in 2017, we decided to redo the entire landscape, which means anything I put in a pot would probably end up getting moved in the transformation process. It would be moved from sun to shade and back around. I was wondering how well these fabric containers would hold up to all that movement. I was pleasantly surprised. And yes, you could pick up those fabric pots, soil, plants and all, and move them without the bottom breaking out, without any damage whatsoever. They are amazingly strong. And I'm still using one of those four year old smart pots. I'm growing a Juliet Tomato in one of them. Smart Pot's lightweight fabric containers come in a wide variety of sizes, and they last for years. Check them out for yourself, and I think you'll like what you see. Go to smartpots.com slash Fred for more information. Why add the slash Fred? Because we have a special deal for you, a nice discount on your next smart pot purchase. SmartPots, they're the original, lightweight, long-lasting fabric plant container made in the USA. Visit SmartPots.com Fred for more information and a special discount. That's SmartPots.com Fred. There are a lot of books on the market that'll tell you how to garden. There's a lot of books on the market that tell you how to cook. Well, how about a book that combines garden tips and cooking tips? Well, there is one. It's called the Renee's Garden Cookbook. Delicious recipes for everyday cooking with growing advice for kitchen gardeners. Renee Shepard is the author. She runs Renee's Garden. Renee'sGarden.com is an online seed store. You can even find her seed packets at your favorite local nursery, probably. And she has a line of garden books as well. And she has a new book and the book combines expert gardening advice and delicious recipes that showcase the colors and flavors of freshly picked kitchen garden produce. Renee Shepard, it's a pleasure talking to you again. Well, thank you very much, Fred. Renee, you've been uh, you've had cookbooks on the market for over 10 years now. That's right. This is
2: my third cookbook, but it's the first one where we combine gardening advice for each vegetable on how to grow it as well as lots of good ideas what to do once you're harvested it
0: now if people want more information about the cookbooks they can uh, go to your website reneesgarden.com uh your other uh, cookbooks like uh, more recipes from a kitchen garden or recipes from a kitchen garden and the 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 fact that you're combining how to grow it with how to eat it uh, makes sense for me, because it's been my mantra for a while now. You grew it, now eat it. And uh, so many people just let that food go to waste in the garden, and, you know, they forget about it. They forget it's out there.
2: Well, that's true. You know, uh, running a seed company, we have a huge trial garden where we evaluate new varieties. So I am always faced with lots of great things from the garden to eat and it's a challenge to make good use of them that's why this cookbook was created because we always cook with all the different varieties so if I'm growing like I recently did three different varieties of purple carrots to see which ones I want to sell seed for um, then I got to figure out what to do with all those carrots and of course everybody's happy to take them home but it's it's still something I feel like the best part of gardening is cooking and the best part of cooking is being able to get it out of the garden.
0: Now, and an- so- another crop you have on here that you talk about in your book, the Renee's Garden Cookbook, is one of my favorites and also another really healthy food. And I know for experience, it grows year round here and that's charred.
2: Yes, chard has uh, gotten a lot more popularity than it used to, and if you're a beginning gardener, um, it's a good one to grow because it's so easy to grow. Again, if you thin the seedlings out so they stand the proper distance apart, they'll grow into big, base-shaped plants, and it's one of the most beautiful of garden vegetables and you can plant it in your flower beds or in your front yard as well as in a vegetable bed because all the stalks, it comes now with many different colored stalks yellow and magenta and orange and yellow. Uh, Once again, the more color, the more nutrition and you can um, steam it, saute it, braise it, stuff it. There's lots and lots of stuff to do with it.
0: Yeah, it's good. I like it even raw in in salads as my main green. It, it's very good. There are some who who recommend that you saute it first or steam it, but I haven't had a problem with it raw.
2: Well, I think if you um when you thin your seedlings out, um that's a good way to use up the um the many extras you'll have.
0: Yeah, there, there's a lot to be said for baby chard. And you're absolutely right about the colorful nature of those uh, thick spines or or stalks that they have in the middle because they're so colorful, and you mix them up. I think you have one blend there. Isn't it called the rainbow blend?
2: Yes, it's got five different colors, and then we have a really nice one for containers that has golden stalks. And then we have, because I like bright colors myself, we have a mixture that's gold and then neon magenta called Neon. And then we have a very old heirloom one from Italy that has kind of silvery silvery stalks with deep blue green leaves so Lots of color and really easy to grow. And in the cookbook, I have a couple of recipes that people may not have thought of. If you take your charred leaves and cut out the stalks, and then you take the leaves, they are you know, a mature plant has big ones, and dip them in hot water to just kind of wilt them. You can put a little, like any kind of stuffing you'd make for ravioli, you can uh, put in the center and then roll them up like um uh, like grape leaves and then poach them in a little chicken broth with lemon um, makes really nice dish
0: ooh, that sounds good. I bet you could even throw some anchovies in there well, I haven't tried that, but uh. you never know <laughs> Bye. yeah and garlic too it's interesting that a, a lot of these crops can be harvested at the same time i'm i I'm, I'm, I'm always Like the idea of homemade salsa, but the problem here is, yeah, the tomatoes and peppers and onions and garlic are ready in the summer, but uh, cilantro, you're going to have to wait till winter.
2: Well, you can grow cilantro in reasonably hot weather if you grow it in a day that gets in a place that gets afternoon sun. Um, use a row cover and pick it when it's very young. Mm. The hotter okay. it is, the younger you pick it. Mm. I have uh, seen it grow up in the Napa Valley. I work with a grower there who actually besides growing some seed for us, he grows um very fancy greens for a fancy restaurants in San Francisco and he and it's very hot up there. I know it's hot where you are, too, but they get up in the early hundreds quite a bit, and that's how he's pretty successful. He actually uses the row covers and afternoon shade, and he managed to get cilantro through the summer.
0: Ah, okay. But I think but you meant afternoon shade, not afternoon sun, right? Oh, I'm sorry. I reversed myself. Yeah. That's easy to do. But yeah, cilantro, even if you left the cilantro in the ground to bloom in spring and summer, it attracts a whole host of beneficial insects. So even when it's time may be done for eating, it's still doing a heck of a lot of good out in the garden.
2: Well, that's absolutely true and really important to remember and an added benefit of having a garden besides feeding yourself if you let your herbs. Uh, flower cilantro being a really good example. Um, you're going and set seed. You're going to be feeding a lot more than yourself, and pollinators need a lot of help now. This year for our seed company, we introduced. Uh Cilantro from Vietnam that you can actually eat when it starts to go to seed. It has kind of regular-shaped cilantro leaves on the base of the plant, and then the tops are really interesting. They're really kind of ferny, like a dill plant. And when it starts to flower and go to seed, you can still um, enjoy it. And in Vietnam, they pull the plants, wash the roots, and then they put them in the center of the table, you know, on a plate, and then everybody helps themselves to um, whole sprigs of the
0: plant. Uh, now, is that called Ram Run? No, that's that's something
2: different. Hmm. Um, this is called Bac Lao. Probably my pronunciation is terrible. And it's from that part of Vietnam. And I had an Italian seedsman who took a vacation in Vietnam and saw this Um, particular variety and really loved it. So he got some seed and grew me a crop. So
0: there you are. Now, I noticed that at the home page for your seed catalog, Renee's Garden, you've got GMO with a slash through it. And as far as I know, and in fact, the last time we had this conversation, you'd mentioned that there were no seeds on the home market that were genetically modified organisms, or we really should say genetically engineered. Is that still true? That is
2: still true, but... Home gardeners are so concerned that they want to be, they want us all in the seed business to say that loud and clear. So we do.
0: Yeah, I, I think yeah. we're both in agreement that there's a lot of misconceptions about this and that uh, the words genetically modified organisms uh, technically includes hybrid varieties, too. And bees have been hybrid hybridizing plants since uh, year one. And uh, the, the term that I think people are most fearful of or should be if they want to be fearful is genetically engineering. There are no GE home plants on the market at this time. So you can buy from uh, your local uh, seed company without fear of that.
2: That's true. I don't think there ever will be. Um, Home gardeners don't want genetically engineered varieties. The companies that sell them don't have any interest in the home garden market. You have to be a licensed user. Uh, There's so many rules and regulations. I don't think it'll ever happen, and I don't think you'll ever see them in home garden packets.
0: Renee Shepard, always a pleasure talking with you. Uh, You can find more information about uh, Renee's cookbook and uh, the seed catalog. Just go to reneesgarden.com. That's Renee with two e's well three e's technically r e n e e s g a r d e n reneesgarden.com so renee shepherd once again thank you for spending some time with us
2: it's a pleasure and thank you very much
0: there's a lot of gardening companies out there that like to take surveys and one of the more popular questions on gardening surveys is how long do you want to spend doing lawn and garden chores each week Consistently, the answer is usually the same among the majority of respondents. They want to spend less than an hour a week. I have a funny feeling, since we're gardeners, we're shooting for less than an hour a day, right? Well, anyway, I do have some tips for you to not only bring you closer to that elusive goal, but also ways to free up your spare time for other pursuits uh, as you get older. One of the easiest ways to save time in the garden is to automate. Provide your garden with an automatic watering system. The efficiency of an automated sprinkler or drip irrigation system protects your plants from summertime heat when you're away from home. And a good drip system reduces water usage. It reduces unwanted weed growth as well as plant diseases. So replace your old irrigation control system with a model that can control more valves with more flexibility. For example, there are irrigation control systems that automatically adjust water run times based on the season and the weather. Even more modern systems can sense the moisture in the soil. Those are rather expensive, but in between you have systems that will automatically turn off your sprinklers if it senses rain. While on vacation, you might notice a hot spell coming back home and you'll want to water your container plants. Well, many irrigation control systems now can be turned on via your smartphone. Now, what about for those watering systems that aren't hooked up to valves? Well, consider installing battery-operated water timers at distant faucets to control the watering of garden beds. The better ones not only turn the water on and off, but they offer extended run times, which is perfect for drip irrigation, as well as multiple cycles per day, which is perfect for watering container plants on hot summer days. Many offer multiple outlets for watering several drip or hose-connected areas of your yard. Another tip to save time and also to save your back, elevate. Build raised beds for your annuals, perennials, and your vegetables. Not only do raised beds reduce the amount of stooping and kneeling that are necessary part of gardening, raised beds provide a planting area containing better soil with better drainage, especially for those plants that don't like wet feet. You can build them out of wood concrete or brick a raised bed usually 18 to 24 inches high gives you a place to sit while weeding pruning or harvesting make the raised beds any length you desire but keep the width less than four feet across for ease of reaching into the middle of the bed and by the way if you have gopher problems line the bottom of those raised beds with quarter inch mesh hardware cloth and that'll keep gophers from sampling the fruits of your labor And there are some interesting new products on the market in the way of plant containers, like the Smart Pots, which are fiber containers, which can last for several seasons if you take care of them. Don't forget that large containers such as half barrels also can serve as homes for fruiting bushes. Be sure to drill several three-quarter to one-inch holes in the bottom and elevate the base of the barrel by an inch or so to assure good drainage as well as air circulation. Now I mentioned to elevate? Well, there's something to be said for de-elevation. De-elevate. Practice backyard orchard culture with all your newly planted fruit trees. Keep the overall height of fruit trees at six or seven feet. Limiting the height means you don't have to get on a ladder to harvest fruit. Also, the trees are easier to cover with bird netting. Nip back the branches of deciduous fruit trees to the desired height about twice a year. One, maybe when you're thinning the fruit in spring, and then again after harvest. Thin out crossing or rubbing branches that are growing into the middle of the canopy. That'll improve sunlight and airflow through the tree. One of my favorite suggestions is eliminate. Life is too short to put up with a problem plant. Why waste time fretting over habitually underperforming perennials, shrubs, or trees? Why tolerate tree litter or plant roots that are upheaving your concrete? If it's growing awkwardly or it's consistently pest infested despite your best efforts, oh, just get rid of it. Purchase another plant better suited to the area and to your changing needs. Now, there is an ongoing attempt, of course, to totally eradicate weeds. Well, that is an exercise in futility. However, adding three or four inches of mulch, such as a walk-on bark, can dramatically reduce the amount of time you spend pulling weeds. And if you really want to cut down on a monotonous garden chore and you want to save time and money, get rid of the lawn or at least dramatically reduce that turf area. Mowing, edging, weeding a lawn can average an hour a week. Replace that ongoing chore with a garden area. It's beautiful, it uses much less water with the right plants and eliminates most weeding thanks to several inches of mulch. Consider soil solarization in the summer or sheet mulching any time of the year to remove the lawn area. And you can find out more information about sheet mulching or removing the lawn with soil solarization in today's show notes or at farmerfred.com. And finally, delegate. Yes, I know, we kind of micromanage our gardens, but somewhere in your neighborhood there is a teenager looking to pick up some spending money doing yard chores. Right, a teenager willing to work well you never know but there may also be that neighborhood guy or gal who has a tractor a front loader a chipper shredder a backhoe or whatever that could accomplish in a fraction of the time which you're attempting to do with a shovel a small mower or a saw and ask your neighbors for recommendations about professional landscapers and arborists check their credentials online and then seek them out Parceling out yard work to others is tough for gardeners, but grit your teeth, open your wallet if you want to save your back and some time. Thanks for listening to Garden Basics with Farmer Fred, brought to you by SmartPots. Garden Basics comes out every Tuesday and Friday. It's available on many podcast platforms, including Apple, Spotify, Google, iHeart, Stitcher, and many more. And if you're listening on Apple, please leave a comment or a rating. That helps us decide which garden topics you'd like to see addressed. And again, thank you.